0: welcome to season two of i fucking love this record a music podcast hosted by me the derek care for season two my guest hosts chose the record and i'll be honest sometimes i do not fucking love it however i did fucking love talking to each and every one of them about their choice so sit back relax and enjoy the show today we're going to be talking about if let me see if i can pronounce this correctly infantesimum which is the second studio album by Swedish band Ghost. It was released in North America by Loma Vista Records on April 16th in partnership with Republic Records, a division of Universal Music Group, uh, which made this the band's major label debut. It was generally well-received and won the 2014 Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Metal Album. On the other mic today is my brother-in-law Joe. He is a fellow high school metalhead. This is his choice of albums. You may remember him from season one when we talked about Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Joe, tell the folks all about
1: you. So as Derek said, I am his brother-in-law. I live in sunny Florida for my day job. I'm a software consultant and I'm a Lifelong rocker metalhead. How did Ghost enter your life? Uh, just by seeing them. Um, you know, I've always been a, f- a fan of the, uh, the the macabre and the occult, and seeing this ghostly visage of a s- skull face painted God pope. I thought, wow, that looks kind of cool. I'm definitely got to be something. You know, I'm going to dig on that. Uh, I'm a Kiss fan, so you know the makeup related to that sure um so i so it was you know it, as we've kind of discussed, i didn't like the older stuff more than the new so it's it's not often uh, a new band comes along that you know i'll give a chance and i gave goes the chance that they blew me away
0: <laughs> so now i have to ask did you just did you see the the guy's Picture or read about somewhere and go out and buy something. Did you Did you look it up on YouTube? Look it up
1: on YouTube. Watch, watch the videos. Okay.
0: Now, was this the first album you listened to in its totality, or did you go back and listen to this? When When did, exactly did you pick up on these guys?
1: I, I well, I, I discovered this when this album came out. Okay. Um. So this 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 was a new album when it came out. Actually, I I, I kind of need to correct that. There was an EP that followed this. I think at that point the EP was. Out, but this was their first you know they're, they're, this was the album that that was new at the time
0: uh this album and band in general came into my life because you recommended it to me <laughs> i had made certain assumptions about the band ahead of listening to them and it was really going to take something to push me to pick it up because just seeing them and what i understood just i didn't read much about them i just saw the picture and i thought they were going to be more black metal because i know the guy's swedish and so I thought it was going to be like a cat being stung by a scorpion type vocals. Yeah. And then when I hear, and he actually sounds like he could be in a pop punk band. So, you know, he's got a very different voice.
1: Yeah. It definitely is, is not what you expect. So, and I think that's cool. I, I think that's, that's hard to do nowadays. I mean, it's, you know, when you look at, I mean, we're jaded with music, everything's been done before. So I, I think that's a feat that they've accomplished that, that they were able to change their expectations from their, their image.
0: Yeah. You see guys with corpse paint all the time, right? You played a bunch of videos for me when I was in Florida yeah, And so then I thought, okay, this sounds pretty cool. Let me see. And so I went and acquired a bunch of stuff. But I, I have to say, I'm glad I didn't listen to this one first. Okay. Because I don't like it nearly as much as I like their next two.
1: Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's what you said.
0: We're going to go ahead and uh, kick into the track-by-track analysis. Track one, which is the title track. Uh, I'm going to let you say it this time for me, Joe. What's, what's the name of this song?
1: Infestissimum is how I pronounce it.
0: All right, we'll go with that. As far as opening tracks go, I would put this one somewhere between a teaser and a setup, because it's a
1: shorter song. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What do you think about this one?
1: It's a setup. It is the perfect introduction to this record. It's, you know, you've got the monk vocals. It's it's got this very medieval feel, but then it's got a bit of kick to it. You know, you know, you're listening to a rocker. It's it's not uh, not totally just the, the chanting. They don't go
0: full in with the teaser, so they don't just do the chant because it's all this, I think it's probably in Latin, and it does give you a little bit like, okay, okay, yeah, this is a rock and roll record. You know what you're going to get, so it doesn't quite go full teaser. So it's a short one. Again, it's like less than two minutes. It kicks off. It's obviously meant to lead into track two, which is Paraspera Ad Inferi." Great opening riff. I really think because you got the the setup of the other one you got the chants right and then it comes in and just that opening riff and the drums kick in but then the vocals come on and I think things get draggy probably my biggest problem with this record is that the vocals are buried in the mix
1: okay you
0: know and the chorus which is in latin so it's this Paris Espera ad inferi and he reaches and it's good but then when the course is over instead of just like boom going for it it seems to fall back and it falls flat so it's not so much it's a bad song as I just think it's kind of a okay song and not nearly as great as I want it to be what about you what do you think of this one
1: I love it. I tell you, it's one of the best. They played it live, and I, I really liked it live. I, it's got a, I like the Marshall beat. Yeah, a marching beat almost. I, I like the, I like the song kind of just drives out. You know, we've got that intro. This very classical, monkish type of thing, and it sweeps into this, that opening riff. You're right, I love it. It's an odd song, definitely with the lyrics. I mean, it's not a very uh, single long song. I, yeah, I like it a lot. It's, it carries this side of the record.
0: So that brings us on to uh, track three, which is the first track I can actually pronounce without anybody helping me. Yeah, <laughs> "Secular Haze." Now, what do you think about this one? I
1: love it. This is probably one of the first songs I heard from them. This is the video; is great. It's this very kind of old, grainy. Uh, they're like in a studio, and it looks like it's you know been filmed at some you know public broadcasting station in the seventies. But it's dark. It's you know, and they've got a good lighting. The the nameless ghouls, the rest of the band who just wear masks and no one knows who they are. And rumor is that some big stars have played with them. Uh, Dave Grohl, I've heard that he's played as a nameless ghoul. I have heard that. I love the song. Uh, I like the lyrics. It's a dark, majestic song.
0: This one starts out with like the spooky circus like yeah. organ, and one of the things I do appreciate is that I think they bring different things to the table. Uh, granted nothing necessarily new. I mean, they're not reinventing the wheel, but you can see elements of other bands, uh, but some things like a little bit of Blue Oyster Cult, yes. a little bit of just like 70s heavy metal in general. I, I think one of the things, as you mentioned with the Nameless Ghoul, I think sometimes that works to their advantage and sometimes it doesn't. I think they're, they offer a little bit of flexibility, but I also think a little bit, sometimes the, the music can be on the generic side, because I don't think anybody else in the band is allowed to have a personality. You know, I think it's got this cool kind of circus opening and it reminds me ever so slightly of early Marilyn Manson.
1: I've never been a fan of Manson. I'd have to think about that.
0: There's two different songs on this album that remind me a little bit of this, that first Manson record. This doesn't quite get, whereas I think Manson would go a little more over the top, this doesn't do that. Just something about that, the, the organ and just the way it's put together, just very, very slightly. I got you. And then once again, the vocals come in and they're buried in the mix, and I think the song just in general is too long. Another one that's like over five minutes long. If you're gonna give me a song that's that long, there better be a reason for it, and <laughs> I don't think this has it. I think a good tune, and I think could have been an even better tune if it was three and a half minutes long.
1: Okay, I see that. I, I like. I don't know. It kind of has a mystical sound to it. It's just kind of dreamy, almost.
0: Sure. You know, for whatever reason, Blue Oyster Cult where. At one point, one of the bigger bands in the heavy scene in the 70s, you know, so, I mean, at one point, Black Sabbath opened up for them. Yeah. uh, But just never quite, whereas, you know, a ton of bands were influenced by Black Sabbath, it just feels like not a ton of bands were influenced by BOC, And so they've kind of fallen off the radar. And so I think that the elements that they bring in from that band are interesting because they're not overdone.
1: That's a good point. It's kind of interesting you bring them up. That's a band that I've, I didn't appreciate, they were in the heavy metal category, but they weren't really heavy to me. They're Their two radio hits, Don't Fear the Reaper and Burnin' For You, are good radio hits, but I just never really gave them a chance. As I've gotten into vinyl, I've gotten their whole back catalog on record, and I love them. It's a band I've discovered later in life.
0: And they're a band I really haven't gone back to discover. I mean, I know, I know them a little bit more than just the radio hits, because I had a friend who was a, a fan. They're one that one day, I'll do the same thing you did. They have a fantastic reputation.
1: Yeah. he, he He's an underrated guitarist. The musicianship, musically, they're, they're better than I think they've gotten credit for.
0: Sure. I just think they kind of got lost in the shuffle.
1: Totally. And you definitely hear their influence in Ghost. I think that, that's a good point. I'm glad you you brought that up.
0: All right. So track four, Jigolo Har.
1: Jigolo <laughs> Har Megiddo.
0: <laughs> I'll let you start this one.
1: I like this song. It's not, not one of my favorites. Uh, the lyrics are funny. I love the line where he says, I'm the one that comes richly endowed. It's, it's a little tongue in cheek. Uh, it's kind of a fun song. It's a little more upbeat than what we've heard so far. You know, they've doomy satanic stuff with the first part of this so I think it it shifts gears a little bit like I said I like it it's not one of my favorites but it's okay
0: so this is one I actually it has like you said a nice rhythm that was my first note that this one really it picks it up a little bit and I think my biggest problem with some of the previous tracks is that they just drag a bit and so this one has a nice rhythm but it reminded me of something I realized that this song reminds me a lot of Dope Hat by Marilyn Manson but i couldn't place which song it was so i went looking through that first manson record and then ended up i'm supposed to be <laughs> listening to this for the podcast so i end up listening to like three <laughs> manson tracks i was like oh i need to get back to <laughs> get back to what i'm doing so uh yeah it's a good one but i don't i don't have a ton of notes on on this one that's about it just like it was a good rhythm then brings us to track 5 Goulet, zombie queen what a dull opener for the first 3 minutes the song is boring as shit it is not good and it's like and it's like a seven and a half minute long song so after three minutes it finally kicks in and it's good and so when it goes from let's say from Goulet to Zombie Queen Zombie Queen even though he does say Goulet at that point as well I think that's a decent tune and if you take this get rid of that first three minutes and then edit down this song to it's about four and a half this song kicks ass but instead I have this seven and a half minute long slog. If it wasn't for the podcast, I don't know if I would have listened to it all the way through to get to the good part.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm going to assume you disagree with me here, Joe.
1: I love this song. This is one of my favorites. And again, this is one I love. I love live. They just, they tore this up live. I see what you're saying. That intro is, it. it is a little over long. There's times I'm like, all right, speed this up a little bit. It's Weird and creepy. The the beginning, the way his vocals—he just he kind of whispers it, and he's got a little bit of a growl to it. I I think thematically and lyrically, this I this is a uh, a, a theatrical song. I think great for the stage. And then it, and then when it it kicks in, I love that riff. That almost kind of a monster mash. Ramones weird rhythm it takes on when it kicks into the whole crescendo zombie queen
0: definitely that's one where it's like yeah and and again because you brought that up with what track two and this one about how you you like both of those live and i can see why those songs would be great live because it probably gets rid of all the stuff i don't like about the recorded track because you got that live energy and uh, you know, things are generally just a little bit faster when you're live. And I would probably even like the intro in a live version where it's just on the recording. It's just like,
1: yeah, that makes sense. But in in defense of it, again, I go back to the lyrics and the theme, the the description of this rotting corpse rising from the grave. And then she becomes a succubus when it kicks in. But I think it, it fits the, the theme of the song overall. And, the intro doesn't bother me. I do I agree that it's over long. I wish they they could cut chunk off of it and get into the meat of the song quicker, but it doesn't bother me. It works for me. I, I, I think I got a little more patience for that.
0: <laughs> Probably. They bring different influences in. And like this, even just the name Zombie Queen, it's like, oh, that could be a misfit song. Uh, they don't sound like the misfits here, but.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just got that weird little, I, I call it a monster mash riff, but that little thing that I, I, I love it.
0: This leads us into year zero. What do you think about this one?
1: It's my favorite. This is my favorite song on the album. Love it. It's an anthem to Satan. <laughs> it is, really. And it's kind of, I, I take that tongue in cheek, but I just, I, it's, I, I yeah, this is a, the song I love. I I love it. It's big and loud and sweeping and the, kind of almost chanting. It's a bit repetitive, which you may not like that part of it, but I, I just, I love that.
0: <laughs> it opens somewhere in the neighborhood between cool and cheesy. Yeah. You know, it's got the big opening. After that opening, the the keyboards and the guitar mix has really this 80s metal feel. Definitely, yeah. And it's great. And I really like it. And I really wish it just would have gone bigger. Okay. Because this is probably my favorite song on the album.
1: Okay. So you agree with that?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this is definitely the strongest track. But I feel this one could have been bigger and better and a little bit shorter. This first one, I, I haven't wanted to cut half of it off. Just about a minute. Yeah. This is the top two right here. I don't know how often I will revisit this record because I do listen to the next two, uh, but I could see Years Zero being put onto a playlist. Yeah, yeah. I'll get rid of one of the songs I don't like off the next album and I'll put that on it and I'll be a happy man, so. <laughs> well,
1: you know, we talk about that, and, you know, and I I pick this as my favorite. I know we've talked to you like Meliora. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I, we could have easily done. Why I, I think why I like this is, called this my favorite album. This is my introduction to them, of course, so there's that little nostalgia piece that this is what really first turned me on. This bridges the gap. If you go back and listen to their first album, it's heavier. The production's not great, but it's a heavier, darker album. Mm -hmm. When you go to Meliora, they've found their pop. You know, they've done Cerise, which is just, I mean, it's one of the catchiest songs I think it's been written in the last couple decades. But to me, this kind of bridges that this is kind of the bridge between their darker, heavier stuff and their lighter, more pop-oriented stuff. I think that's why I think that's why this is my favorite album.
0: I don't know if I've actually listened to Opus Eponymous.
1: Oh, you should. There's some great there's there's some great Slayer riffs on that. I mean, and it played in their own way, played played as ghosts. But they're yeah, the, especially the first side of that. Yeah, if, if if you should go back, the production's not great. So it's you know there's there's a weakness there that. Could be
0: overcome i got a hold of a bunch of stuff by them after your recommendation and i listened to this album i think second i listened to meliora i think i just because it was the newest one so i put that on and it grabs like oh this is good and so then i listened to this one and it just didn't grab me and so i don't think i then i think i was just meliora was just in my brain and that was one that kind of pushed out a lot of stuff because at the same time somebody had recommended the sword and I liked it, but I just couldn't get past that ghost record because it was something fun and cheesy and it just tickled all those pleasure centers in my brain.
1: Yeah, I got to. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, it's it's got some probably as far as if you take the songs, the strength of the songs, the better ones on Meliora are better you Know with Cerise and he is. I mean, that, there's some great songs on that. Oh,
0: definitely, those two right there. And Cerise, I mean, that that opening is basically what Dead Skin Mask by Slayer. Yeah, yeah, it's the same riff and the same drum bit up, up and for like the first 45 seconds of that song. But yeah, you know, if you're gonna steal, steal from the back.
1: And, and it's just catchy, it is that that is an earworm song. I mean, you know. Big time.
0: Oh, I can't tell you how many times I just filtered through my brain randomly for no reason.
1: Yeah, and I will do that sometimes. I, I find myself, you know, thunder. We'll be out and about doing things, and the the hear the hear a peal of thunder roll, and I'll be like, "Do you hear the rumble?" <laughs> All
0: right. So, how about uh, "Body and Blood"?
1: Probably my least favorite track on the album. This is probably the song I'll skip. Eh, it's okay. It's it's just uh, it's. I don't know. I don't the care. The, the chorus just kind of repeated over. It's a, again, it's okay. I don't think it's a horrible song, but eh. like I said, probably, probably my least favorite on the album.
0: I tried to listen. I probably listened to this album all the way through at least six or seven times preparing. And every time I went back, I realized I never made any notes for this one song. The only thing I have here is it's decent, but not much of an impression.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's filler. It's 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 album filler to me. You know they play always play it live, so it must be. I see it always on their their set list, and they played it live when I saw them. So it it must be a, you know I don't know if I'd say a fan favorite, but but I, I don't care for it much. It's Okay,
0: it's a, a surprising they they play it live. It's a idolatrine again. One of the things I realized about this record, I looking at my notes, these guys know how to start a song. I have good opening. Uh, I think this one's got a bit of a boogie to it. Uh, you know, I think it's a little more peppy than some of the other stuff, but ultimately didn't do a whole lot for me. But again, they know, they, they know how to start a song. Yeah.
1: I, I like it slightly better than body and blood. It's again, probably not one of my favorite songs. It's a song. I like the lyrics. Um, I think the lyrics are stronger than, than the actual song itself. Okay, it's, it's a little slower by this time. You know, we've already heard body and blood's kind of slowed down. And this, I, I think, you know, I like them to pick up the pace a little bit after a slow song, and it kind of continues with that.
0: This one, a little bit of rhythm to it that that a lot of the other songs don't have, so it swings a bit.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, bit, bit kind of bit like gigolo <laughs> <laughs> But but I think that's much. I, I like gigolo much better.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, depth of Satan's eyes
1: yeah so i like yeah this is getting back to the i, I like this song I like, that, that's a this is a great sing-along song <laughs> yeah. love song to satan
0: i think that's when he's at his best this is one of my favorite tracks on the album i don't have a lot of notes for it other than that like yeah that's what i'm talking about you know that's when i think puts it all together i feel like they start strong but there's something about the production on this one with the vocals just Makes everything drag a little bit for me, but this one, this one, I think got past that. I, I really enjoyed this song.
1: The looking into the depths of Satan's eyes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it makes me laugh, but it's fun. Like I said, it's a fun sing along song. It makes you feel kind of wicked singing these songs, you know. You <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. I think, and that's kind of the point. If this album would have come out in, let's say, like 1988, God, we would have loved these guys. Oh, holy shit!
1: They would never have played live, you know, and it goes back to what, you know, and I'd mentioned in in the the previous podcast we did on uh, Black Sabbath that I come from a religious background and was kind of introduced to music through the church. This is kind of the fulfillment of that. This is like that tongue-in-cheek. Okay, we are we're now at a place in history we can embrace this and laugh at it and kind of revel in it almost.
0: Definitely, this is the end result of everything that all the, the religious folks hated in the '80s. So it's been it's fun.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay, and then the final track, "Monstrous Clock."
1: I like this song a lot. You know, it's, it's this is always their closer um, live. Uh, it's a weird song. It's not. I think it's got a strange groove to it. It's I, there's nothing I can compare it to. I can't. I there's, this is while there's they definitely wear their influences on their sleeves. This is one of those songs that is totally ghost to me.
0: Okay, I can see what you're saying there. I think this one is just it's muddled. It starts okay and it starts to build, and so then it, I think this is one that gave me some hope. <laughs> Uh, and then it just doesn't go anywhere for me. And I think that's the problem. It's like it starts to build and then it's like, yeah, all right. My biggest problem with this album ultimately is just that where the vocals are in the mix it takes away from the hooks.
1: Right. And you, you've said that through a lot of these songs. And I kind of know what you mean. Do you think it's a production thing? Do you think that they just don't, they haven't brought the vocals out on the recording that it's, that it's present? enough or do you think it's in the songwriting where they've just made the, the vocals just flow with the rest of the song and and not really try to bring it out
0: i think it's a combination of the two okay. i think the guy is is a strong songwriter and you can see that in the openings there's some great opening riffs there's some great opening uh, stuff throughout this whole album like if you just played me the first 30 seconds of every re- of every song except for Goulet I'd be like fuck yeah uh, and then I think because the vocals aren't there that it lacks the hooks and that's just what it comes down to. Is that the first the first time I listened to this record, it was just sort of it was like being in the shower. It just went shoo, right over me, uh-huh. and nothing brought me back. There was nothing like yeah, because I mean that's the thing with Meloria is that there was something that they got those earworm. I'm not a pop music fan. You know, I've I've always been kind of I like heavy stuff or I like folky stuff and sad stuff, and you know I'll listen to you know Leonard Cohen even when I'm in the best mood. So it's not like I need you know these big pop hooks, but I think that's what makes these guys work for me is when they have those big pop hooks hidden inside of this metal framework and this this goofy overblown satanism yeah yeah. when this guy's on his hooks are great and i've seen i don't know if you've ever seen any of these things on youtube there's the like preachers will you know they'll listen to music and they have these reaction videos
1: oh yeah
0: yeah and there was this one it's this couple it's like a a guy and and a woman i don't think they're together but i ended up watching them watch ghost and previously they had listened to some norwegian black metal band Okay. and they were like those guys don't scare me because you have you know you're if you're into that you're into that he goes, but ghost scares me because they're deceptive in what they do. Because it feels kind of funny and goofy, but he feels that that's is where they get you. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I ask you that, I don't think he's a strong singer. Um, I think he's he's a good singer. He's not great. I don't. I don't think vocally he really brings a lot to the table no as far as the overall music goes i think he's a phenomenal songwriter
0: i would agree with that
1: and particularly on this album i think he's just trying to stay at his comfort level mm-hmm. i do like some things he does i kind of like when he goes into some of the weird growls and he can change his voice but he's not a strong singer and, I, and he knows that i think and i think that's probably why on this record it's more subdued and maybe he just found a little more confidence and you know technical skills uh, better production they've got more money they're on the map with the next records so and that's where even if you if you back up even further to the first album eponymous that did he do it that's even more so i think you know but he, he's, a little, he's a little growlier on that album i think in this album he's trying to sing a little more but I think he's trying to stay in his
0: comfort level. And I can totally agree with that. I see exactly what you're saying. So, uh, so Joe, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, oh, one thing I did want to bring up in, in thinking of this. So I mentioned that there is an EP after that that came out right after this. Have you listened to that? It's a covers EP. I believe
0: so, yeah. I've listened to at least some of it. Which Because they have a couple of EPs. And I appreciate their, their approach to covers. Because they just find, not yeah. every single time, but a lot of times they find things that are just funny for them to cover whether it's like missionary man or if you have ghost the rocky erickson song and i don't know if you if you're a fan of Rocky Erickson, that's great he's great that
1: is well and, and that's part of why i bring this up because like i said i think that was what was out at the time so when i made my playlist i included those four or five cover songs on my overall playlist and i often think of those as part of this album okay and even though they're not part of the album, it's the same era, same timing thing. And I would recommend, go back and listen to it. And you brought up the Rokie I That, If You Have Ghosts, is one of my favorite songs of theirs. Um, it was one of my biggest disappointments that when I saw them live, they did not play it.
0: Oh, wow. I, I figured that, that would be a fun one to do. It's because it's just so, it's so cheeky. And, and then the funny thing is, because I did listen to that, because I, I just couldn't remember which one was it. So if it's the one, You Got Ghost. Uh, I ended up going back and listening yeah. to Rookie Erickson. And he's great. That whole record, you know, Night of the Vampire. and
1: Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's fantastic.
1: It's a perfect cover for them to do, totally, I think. And the other highlight on that I'll point out is the uh, ABBA song, Marionette
0: which didn't quite hook me as much as it hooked you. I think these guys are fun. I enjoy it. So for my final thoughts here, the album has grown on me with the repeated listenings. Again, originally I didn't have much of anything to say about this one way or the other. If I'm in the mood for Ghost, I still don't think I'll be reaching for this one. All right then. So Joe, I want to say thank you very much for suggesting this particular album and participating this end of the uh, podcast. So uh, thank you. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Rock on. That was fun.
0: Thank you for listening to I Fucking Love This Record. If you would like to co-host an episode, contact me at lovethisrecord at gmail.com. This and every episode can be found on my website, lovethisrecord.com. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, it's lovethisrecord. Twitter and Instagram, lovethisrecord1. Music provided by the Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review. And we'll see you next time.